seems a story about Minnie the Moocher. She was a red hot hoochie coocher. She was the roughest, toughest frail. But Minnie had a heart as big as a whale. A hide, a hide, a hide, a hide. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Chosen by Committee, the podcast where me, Josh Heron, Christopher Munden, and John Rosenberg read every Pulitzer Prize winning play since 1918, so you don't have to, or perhaps so you'll join us along. Um, as I said, my name is Josh Heron. I am a, uh, I am a summer break enthusiast, <laughs> and... Um, and uh, I don't know, uh, <laughs> theater fan, theater fan, theater fan. Um, I am joined by Christopher Munden, um, also a theater fan, <laughs> theater fan, <laughs> uh, member of the bourgeoisie and uh, <laughs> soccer coach for the future. Hello, Hello Chris. And uh, we are joined by uh, John Rosenberg, who I believe left me a voicemail on my email account this week that was mostly in German. Hi, John. Oh, no. I, I didn't listen to it yet. <laughs> um, this week, we, are list we, are, we have read um, Allison's House. Um, I want to get Susan Glassbell. Susan Glassbell, thank you. Um, this is the Pulitzer Prize winning play since 1931. Does anyone want to give it a summary of spin? Chris, it's been a second since you've done it. Um, it's set on the last day of the um, 19th century. So New Year's Eve. 1899, and it's in the house of a poet, Alison, what's her last name? Oh, uh, Stanhope. Alison Stanhope, who died 18 years previously, but whose room has been preserved until now when the family is selling the house. And it's basically three acts of them discussing her legacy, discussing the meaning of the house and the meaning of um, her work to the larger world and to them. And then there's some, some, some family dynamic, dynamics, a prodigal daughter comes back after she had run off with a married man, um, an old aunt or tries to burn down the house. But really it's, it's not terribly plot heavy. It's a kind of quietly plotted play. Um, I, I, yeah, I think you did actually a really nice job. Um, summary, I think it's sort of an easy, I think it, it's a play that lends itself well to that. Um, I should say the Alison Stanhope is kind of based on Emily Dickinson, right? Yeah, I think very clearly. Um, very I clearly. Think Although it's set along the Mississippi and she was, yeah. In Boston or she was in, in New Amherst. England at least. Yeah. In where? I think she lived in Amherst, right? Amherst, right. 
Um, I mean, I, from what I read is that she didn't get permission from the Dickinson estate. So one of the things that I was saying to, um, I was thinking about is that we've read some like real great plays and we've read yeah. some clunkers. Um, yeah. I think that this is the like, this is the most mediocre play we've read. Like I didn't like I didn't. And that's not necessarily bad because you no. most plays mediocre. No, like I like, gosh. After uh, I mean, Green. I think that we've like gone from like head scratching, like I think from like you know clearly built another time. I can imagine this play being put on in a season. Yeah, it's it's a celebration of Emily Dickinson's life when you put on this play, and I would go and see it and be like, "That wasn't great. It didn't move me, but it was, that was pretty good. That was fine." What did you think, John? Um. Yeah, I think both of you kind of. Yeah, I don't think it captured my imagination in any way. Um, yeah, it was it was all right. It was it was interesting. I I didn't see the fire coming, and it yeah, it was yeah. I could. See and maybe we did predictions last year, last week, right? And there was the lost manuscript. Who came up with that? That was, cool. that was me. You said something would be found, though, right? So you were right, right too. What did I say? Um. Yeah. Well, let's say you were right too. <laughs> Thank you. I, uh, I do. I do think it's interesting that like it really wasn't about her life or her work. No, you know? I almost expected one of the acts, like the second act, to go back in time to when she was alive. You know. I mean, and that's so. That's an interesting question too. Of like, when does American theater start? Because that feels more cinematic to me. Mm. Um, so like when does America because like, I think everything we've read has been very like we maybe it's moved forward like, wise. yeah maybe it's moved forward like a chunk I mean we've had plays that have moved forward 20 years between scenes but, but and this was all set on the same day but or none have moved backwards I believe yeah, yeah. or like move you know or have had some sort of like flashback techniques or anything like that mm -hmm. um uh, yeah, I mean, I think the que like the questions that it raised, that I thought were interesting, or like, and I think they're like sort of more the sort of teacher talk, but like essential questions, right? Um, or enduring questions is like, who, what does, what does a, who does a, who does work belong to, mm -hmm. right? So I think you know the sort of the running question that's asked in Act One, so you know it's what the answer is going to be by act three is like, are there any other plays by Alison Stanhope? Any other poems? Yeah. Poems, sorry. And it turns out like, yes, there are, but they're pretty personal. And right. they're about like uh, a lost love. And I think the, mm -hmm. I think it takes a couple acts to get, get involved in this. And I think it's actually the most interesting part, but um, is it's who do those belong to? They belong to the family. Do they, to the world. Do they belong to like, the world do they belong to this person who is no longer alive and so if she can't consent to them being shared do they just like should those be buried with her i think those are really interesting questions like elgin's bubbles 
Yeah. I mean, those are interesting questions, but I do feel like the playwright went about them in not the most artistic ways or like interesting ways. Like, Mm -hmm. it is interesting to me the fact that you say that like, she didn't get permission from Emily Dickinson's like estate, like that in itself, like, you know what I mean? Like you're putting on some, like it really had nothing to do with like the life of the poet or it was very even. Yeah. But like even the, there was no real poetry in the play itself. Exactly. Right. There, yeah. there, it was like, it, it was, was definitely, yeah, it was like there, there was a distance to it. And, um, I think it's funny that they, there's these questions of what belongs to the world or to the family. And this is a play where the woman herself didn't get permission from Emily Dickinson's estate. Like that, yeah. that's, that's, that's interesting to me. Um, and I wonder if, if she had permission from the estate, mm-hmm. how shitty the play would have been. It would have been worse, definitely. If it was just imbued with like so many things or like very specific Although maybe it had some poetic quotes, maybe with with more sense of uh, Dickinson's poetry, because right, it was lacking in that like sense of poem. I mean, you always see this. So you see like um, a biopic of a famous author, or you see like I saw a play about um, Salinger, and they're generally missing what made that writer great because how do you capture that yeah. on screen on in a play like the, it's the language it's the uh, and in poetry especially so the way things are put so like we have to know that Emily Dickinson is a good poet and we have to trust that this Alison Stanhope is a good poet we don't get that sentence we get it from the reporter coming by and being like so enamored by her. Oh no, what happened to Emily Dickinson's house? Does anyone know? No. Mm. There's also no. Emily Dickinson. So eventually it did happen. Bill Van Hurst. Um, let's see. Right. Emily Dickinson was famously a recluse and did spend all her life in the house in a room, right? She didn't even like speak to people. She just sent people poetry. So there's like a, yeah, there's a, there's a museum house. It's a museum house. Um, um, so I don't, we, we haven't talked at all about like the relationships in it. So weirdly, um, it is about, you know, this poet, this um the idea of ownership but it's brought out through like again a an insular family dynamic the father the end three three children and a a wife basically some secretaries and um is that in was that interesting or was that not interesting to us i mean i think that's what i was going to say is i I just don't think it was like that like I think the play sort of failed on some pretty technical grounds um, in that like I was 
often confused about who people were in relationships. <laughs> I knew they were family. Right. But like Jenny. Who was Jenny? Yeah, I think that like there was like some basic you know, um the exposition might have been so tight as to not have happened for some of these characters. Um and you know that's uh it's a shame. Um I like Louise. I like the uh this the married to Eamon and she is the most concerned about the family and the, the one who seems to like like the father the most, but she seems like a like a terrible person too. But I do like that I feel like in any other play we've read, or like not any other, but like in, in at least half of the plays we would have read, she would have been given this like terrible comeuppance arc. Mm. Or like she would have ended up like divorced and like shamed in like some like horrible way. Um, and I like that like, I, I like that the characters who are shitty just get to be like sort of shitty. Like, yeah, um, no one is, no one is like a terribly sympathetic character or unsympathetic. I think, I mean, Evan, I guess the purchase of the house kind of are definitely unsympathetic. Louise is kind of. I mean, it's it's a misdirect it's a misdirection play, right? Because it it seems to be so focused on like the life of this poet that died eighteen years ago, but it's really about the father and daughter being reunited at the end, right? Mm. It's a, it's that it's is, misdirection. That is a note it falls on, yeah. And I mean, like that's that's what. That's what I, I feel like. That's what the playwright was driving towards, and just using misdirection the whole time. And like, right near the end, they discovered the thing, and there's the fight. But it's really the her, like the dad getting over being judgmental of the daughter for like fucking around with a married dude, right? But that was also because he he had wanted to sleep around with his like secretary. Right. That's, that's like a blink if you missed it. But like, it seemed to me that like, hey, he had always been in love with Anna's mom. Um, yeah, I miss, I miss that. Man. And yeah, no, yeah. And it, like sort of, and it was sort of like that. No one. She wasn't his daughter, right? That was like implied, kind of. He was like, yeah. I mean, I, I think, but like, Louise was, straight up asked it, and then, like, she may have been his daughter, right? It, like, it just felt like it could have been, right? Like, but it sounded like, like the, like infidelity was a major theme in this play. Um, so like, Allison was, Allison was to, out of Elsa did. Uh, it sounds like Evan sort of like, doesn't like Louise. Doesn't like Louise and like understands that marriage is just sort of like this thing that happens. And then Stanhope sort of, you know, like, uh, if he didn't act on it, had always like wanted to. This is only the second play we've read written by a female author. Um, did you have thoughts reading it about like the women characters? I mean, I think that at the time, like, it's interesting that Emily Dickinson would be a source of inspiration. Um, mm. Why is that? 
just that I think of her as like a really central like like uh, not maybe not like feminist and explicit political like leanings, but like feminist in her aesthetic and in her mm. um, and in sort of like a like a proto modernist like mm-hmm. figure that is also feminist. I think her is really exciting. I think it's I actually do think it's really interesting, right? That like this play like. I think it's very intentional, well, obviously it's really intentional that they put it on the cusp of the 20th century, right? So that, yeah. Oh, right, 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 yeah. Like, and I think, I'm wondering if like the mores of like infidelity or sort of seem to be like dying along the with- Passe now. Like, right, you know, that like- Now it's 1931, we don't believe in that kind of stuff anymore. Um, we love. Do you two know of any like oh. rooms that are still- how they were left when someone died? Um, I mean, the Rosenbach Museum preserves, moved uh, en masse in total, uh, Marion Moore's room from New York, and they have like the living room on display as in the same setup as it was in this museum in Philadelphia. Well, and there's also the like, I mean, so there is the- Freud Museum, I've been to the Freud Museum in London, and yeah there's the barns which was famously like desecrated um and or liberated. I mean, that's a little different and then there's also the um have you heard of the isabella stewart gardner museum Mm-mm. no that's in boston i've never been it but it sounds very cool but it's another one where like the like her will says you could they couldn't move anything um mm. and like um the art had been stolen so there's places in the museum that just have like empty wall space with like a label mm. that hasn't been touched. Um, the one I thought about when I was reading the play was uh, Marvin Gaye's studio is still exactly the same as like when he died. He was shot, is that right? Yeah, he was killed by his father. Uh, yeah. But his studio is like exactly the same even though people use it to record stuff it's just like kept exactly the same yeah i feel like it went maybe hemingway that can't be right in key west because he didn't hemingway recorded with marvin guy yeah yeah his father killed him um, um marvin gay's father yes. <laughs> no i've been somewhere it can have been him. Some famous writer in his desk is there. And like the papers that were there when he died are still on the desk. I mean, I, I think there was something very interesting, like the, the theatricality of like a room that hasn't been moved for 18 years. And the playwright just didn't seem all that interested in the room or like anything really having to do with it. So it sounds like your dream production would be more focused around the room. I would do well, it where it takes in the room. Yeah, but like I would do the whole thing in the room and you hear the conversations in the other rooms so and you don't see it. Oh, that'd be so cool. Yeah. I mean, most of the play takes place in the other room. I know. I, guess you could move I still think that would be very cool. Um I, oh, I was going to say, this is what I was going to say, is that apparently when this won the Pulitzer, uh, famous critic Rooks Atkinson was like not happy with it, um, but thought that like her other work 
was much stronger. Mm. Um, so I do wonder if this was like a an award. And I there is like it's easier to find some for other plays actually than this one. Um, right, because uh, they're out of copyright. Then. So uh, I guess a lot of her a lot of her best work was decades earlier, or at least a decade earlier. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 I can understand that because the pieces are there to me. Like, the, I didn't see the fire coming whatsoever. I felt like the, the like the stuff around it was kind of shitty. But yeah, I could see that like her other work could be stronger than this, or like this is not indicative. I mean, it was maybe indicative. I, I haven't read her other work, but to me, this was fine, and I would say like a lesser play by a playwright who I could believe did good stuff. I mean, I, yeah, I don't think I would hate a production of this. My dream production, I think now that Emily Dickinson's in the public domain, we just like put Emily Dickinson poems in. Yeah, yeah. Um, like buttress them before and after the acts or have them written in other places. Right, wait till this is out of copyright and then insert some of that where there's other poems, insert hers, change the name, make it more obvious. Do a flashback to Emily in the room with uh, that guy writing her poetry. Ooh. But the twist is that it's a lady because... It's a lady. <laughs> Yeah, because Emily Dickinson. I think it wasn't. Wasn't Emily? Wasn't that the thing? Emily Dickinson, basically to the equivalent of like the Louise, or Emily was in love with her brother's wife, or something like that. I think it's like a. It's a big question mark. But that's 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 a question mark, right? It's something. Yeah, it's it's, it's heavily speculated. Wait, so Emily Dickinson was in love with a spouse of one of her siblings something like that or, Damn, or at least like a bunch of like poetry about that person was that, that's never gonna work out that's <laughs> just that's not good um you, you shouldn't do that john <laughs> yeah no <laughs> chris what would your dream production be uh i mean i think you described it um i don't i don't know um i i do like something i do like that it's not plot heavy i do like like all of the drama is kind of quiet it's not in your face there's almost like nothing to hate really about this play to me nothing to like dislike and i it's thought, so like but it's so dense and light at the same time. It's weird. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe you do forefront the father-daughter relationship. Um, I think having like a good Louise would be essential to me. That's a that's a strong character. She could be funny and strong. Um, I didn't really like the brothers Ted and Ethan. I would be interested in how they could be played. Oh, I, I like them more compelling. I like them both a lot, actually. Oh, you did? Yeah. What did you I, like about them? Oh, I just think Eben's like the most sympathetic character. I, I, I don't 
know if he was like particularly interesting, but I thought he was sort of the like audience surrogate. So um, you would be even. Yeah, I would be even. Um, I would be even, or and I, and I like Ted a lot too. But I would be. I, I'll take even. Who would you be? Maybe the reporter. Ooh. Mm. And who would you be, John? And I think. Who would I be? Yes, yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> who would you be? The, and I guess the, the, the old lady who tries to learn yeah. that. The one with the histrionics, yeah. That'd be yeah. that'd be fun to overact on stage. That'd be really bad to watch. He might be a good uh, um, father of the family, Stanhope. No, I want to go. No. I want to like something fire on stage. I just do it yeah, like every performance, is. actually. Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, I wonder what a production of this. It's like, did you look up the production history? Yeah, it's been done more recently than other stuff. It had a production. It's had like a production in England and in New York the last ten years. It had a production at the end of the like nineteen nineties in New York. It's like I think it's been done. Um, I think it's sort of like every time it's been done, it's like billed as like an undiscovered classic. Um, mm. But as opposed to some of the other stuff, which just like haven't been touched, um, and I do think maybe some of her other stuff has been done a little bit more, but I, I don't totally know. Um, I would read more. Yeah, a lot of her, a lot of her most popular plays would be for the Pulitzers, right? Or, or they just weren't in it. Considered, you know. I mean, I think we know that. Like, we already know that there's a lot of plays that were probably better that got overlooked for whatever reason. Um, speaking of better plays, um, next week, I am so excited, folks, because we are doing our first musical. Um, we agreed to skip the musicals, right? No, we agreed to sing them all. Um, Tell us about this. Yeah, I'm going to do my best. It is by... Um, is by George Kaufman and and Maury Race. All right, um, he's a real player too, right? Yeah, um, with a score by the Gershwins. Um, the musical lampoons American politics. The story concerns John P. Wintergreen, who runs for president of the United States on the Love platform, when he falls <laughs> in love with the sensible Mary Turner instead of Diana Devereaux beautiful pageant winner selected for him he gets into political hot water so it's an election year i mean 1932 was an election year and it's a musical um i mean the book can't be that long right yeah i mean i i mean it's before it's also like i think important to know that like this is before the book musical as we know it, right? Like, mm, what do you mean? Well, so like people often sort of cite like Oklahoma as the first time that like the modern musical really, like the musical that we understand was oh, like that contemporary. Yeah, and so that was like fifteen years ahead of this. We're like fifteen years songs, before or afterwards. 
Oklahoma's 15 years after this play. So uh-huh. I'm, I'm, I'm curious as to what the experience is like. Um, I'm sure it must have like some merit, but I'm curious in how it differs. Like I'm curious about how it has merit and also differs from what we've, what I know of musicals. Um, it also has um, a sequel mm. called Let Them Eat Cake. I mean, I wonder if we're going to see, you know, it is a, and it's the election year that FDR got elected. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we'll see some real political talk in the play as well as just like political love triangle or whatever. There are real issues at stake in 1932. I, my, I like this idea of us trying to guess what's going to happen in a play. I don't, I think it's, they're all corrupt. I think that's how they're going to go in a play. I think it's going to end on like a hopeful note where love does conquer all. Right. But I don't think there's like an infusion of actual, this is at stake in our political world now. I don't think that happens in this play. Yeah. I think it's going to, um, I don't think it's going to be a downer on idealistic politics. Hmm. It's be a I think, yeah, I think it'll be um, not that it'll be a downer. I think it'll kind of like make fun of the idealism in politics. That's my thought. Um, I think he no, will I think the idealism win the election. will save the day. I think he'll win the election. I think cynicism rules and the, the world. Are. And then idealism surprises them all and wins the day. Like I the also, Hope poster. I, I predict a feminist twist. I like that, yeah. I think you're right. Um, all right. Uh, well, we shut down Allison's house in record time. Um, I'm really excited to listen to some show tunes next week. Um, <laughs> and and with, uh, you should probably say, I don't know if you ever said, you've been, the theme song every week is the, is it the best selling? It's the number one. Oh, yeah, but I don't think it's, I don't think of the, I think had the best song. So we'll have to like sneak, maybe we'll sneak in some clips other places. No, just that you've been doing um, the best selling song of each year as the, the theme the song for our, um, and so this, this week it's uh, Minnie the Moot. Yeah, which is a great song. So uh, yes. we'll Let's let Cal- Callaway take us out. Say goodnight, folks. Take care, Annie.